0: Howdy, y'all. Um, Russ, being up in Canada as much as I am, and being a, somebody who monitors Canadian media, when and I can't remember if it was last month—I don't think it was last month—the inventor of Hawaiian pizza, which I didn't know was originated in Canada, passed. The, the, that person passed away. Right. And uh, and you know I've seen it. I've never eaten it because it to me. And in Buffalo, Hawaiian pizza is for people who don't know, it's usually ham and pineapple. And in Buffalo they add cherries, which I don't get. But it's let's just say it's to me, it's an abomination of pizza. And apparently a world famous chef agrees with us.
1: Yeah, I, I remember getting a lot of
0: heat a few months ago when he did pass saying that
1: it's a crime against pizza and people from Canada wanna like Defend this gentleman because he invented it, but just because he invented it doesn't mean it was good or tastes good I tried it a million years ago when I did used to eat ham and I thought it was awful like just the idea of putting Fruit on a pizza to make it soggy isn't a good idea. So anyhow, Gordon Ramsay everybody knows him He lost a bet apparently on Facebook live. He went to eat it because it was part of the bet and He chewed it and then I guess he spit it out and and I don't blame them. Like it's 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 vile. Like I I totally get it. And for everybody that's ever fought me on Hawaiian pizza, you're wrong.
0: Jandy, have any input
2: on this? Uh, as, as somebody who cannot eat ham, I've never tried it. Honestly, I am one of those that do not have an issue with pineapple on pizza. But that's that's me because I happen to like sweet stuff. One of my favorite pizzas that I used to get, which was actually down in Florida when we used to go down all the time, was made with a sweet sauce, almost like an. An apple, you know, juice in the sauce that made it a bit sweeter.
1: I'm okay if the sauce is ch- is is replacing the tomato sauce. What I'm not okay
2: with is if all of a sudden, yeah, you just put in like a fruit salad on my pizza. Yeah, no well, no cherries, obviously, no ham for me. Obviously, just the pineapples I don't mind, but I'm also one who's had eggplant on his pizza and falafel on his pizza. Eggplant's fine. Like, I
0: right. right. I mean
2: so, <laughs> so it depends on your personal taste. So you clearly don't like it. He doesn't like it doesn't mean it's a bastardization against pizza worldwide. No, it does mean but- that. It does. I don't well, know if you like Gordon Ramsay, so let's go with that.
0: Well, this is the thing: is like there is room in the world for what what you would term specialty pizzas. There's a there's right. a place in, in uh, there's a pizza place in Buffalo that specializes in specialty pizzas. Just remember that, the legendary Twitter war I had with that dessert pizza place? Yeah. Well, right, and and, and you know, and it's 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 morphed into well, it's not really
2: pizza then, right. If you're having like a chocolate on a pizza, it's not. Right. A pizza a pizza. I mean, exactly.
0: It's morphed into dessert pizza and breakfast pizza. I breakfast, get that. It was you know.
2: Breakfast pizza. That's what it was breakfast pizza. Yeah, right, that's but, like with eggs and everything else on top. So but see,
0: the, and, and the thing is, like, as an as an Italian, you know, like white pizza without sauce. I mean, it's really it's really good. It's 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 yeah. it's different, but it's, it's good. of
2: cheese, basically. That's what it is. As opposed right. to
0: right, right. But, right. The, but the, the, what I where I have a problem with is something like you were you were saying, Jan, a like a sauce that's like. Almost like sweet as candy, or like buffalo chicken pizza, where they use blue cheese as the sauce instead of tomato yeah, sauce. Yeah, I don't like I the mean, blue cheese. Come
1: on. But the, but the buffalo chicken pizza that we do see around is pretty good if you yeah. do it right, or the barbecue chicken pizza. If that replaces the tomato sauce, it's fine. But blue cheese, no, nah,
0: man. Yeah, no. So, I mean, I, you know, there are certain ones that are good. They're, and, you know, we'll get into what toppings we. Like on another show, but I want to. I want to find this.
2: Before. What's that? Tune in next time when we go through our favorite pizzas. Yeah,
1: anchovies.
0: Thumbs up oh, or God
1: thumbs God down? No, hopefully, God, hopefully it's not Pizza Hut because that one pizza that they advertise on TV with those pull away pieces—it's not even a pizza anymore. I don't even know what you call that.
0: Oh, you mean with the with the crust, the the, the, with, the yeah. with the mozzarella cheese in the middle? Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know, know what you call that. Yeah, it, it's called a bastard. Built partial to deep dish pizza. So, okay, uh, just open, open question here because we are in the midst of the biggest clown act in, if you can call it, professional sports, the uh, promotion tour of Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather. They were in Toronto, I guess, a couple days ago. They're hitting New York. They're hitting London. They hit you know, New York
1: yesterday. They're hitting London yesterday. Yeah.
0: Now, my question is, and Russ, you cover you've covered MMA in the uh-huh. past. There's no way in hell I would pay $100 for this. If it was given to you for free, would you watch? No. And and I really do mean that. It's, it's,
1: it's an interesting thing because when you cover MMA, it's certainly different than even a boxing press conference. Sometimes it's looser. Dana White curses a lot. That doesn't bother me. That's fine. Uh, I don't care if the guys sort of get in each other's face like boxers do and don't. I don't care. You know, when you start throwing around, like, the verbal insults to the point of where it's getting racist, mm. just kill it. Like, just kill the tour. It, hopefully the fight goes under and they lose a lot of money. Floyd Mayweather throwing money. Like, in this day and age, like, I, if that's his fun thing to do, make it rain, uh, you know what? There's a lot of people that that probably disgusted by doing that. And so like at the end of the day, I don't know what they're trying to do. I don't know if they're trying to sell themselves or or just sell to the least common denominator. I don't like it.
0: Jan, is there anything about this that interests you at all that like if they gave you if they gave you the, the broadcast for free, would you watch it sort of like you know, watching a train wreck? No. I mean, I haven't watched the Mayweather fight in ages. Granted, he's a great
2: technical boxer, but he's boring yes. to watch. It's not a fun fight necessarily to watch. I'm honestly I'm not an MMA or UFC fan. I never have been. All I can tell you is some guy in front of where the um the press conferences were going on today was selling the perfect poster and it was Mayweather against McGregor, the clash for cash. And yeah. I thought I mean, that was the perfect really way of describing about money. Exact, I thought this was the perfect way of describing exactly what this is. It's the clash for cash. That's all it is. It's a money grab. There's no look. If this was an MMA fight, McGregor would beat the living tar out of him. As a boxing fight, you know, Mayweather honestly has the most to lose because if he doesn't dominate him or knock him out, he looks foolish. And I'd be shocked if McGregor can keep with him in a regular boxing fight. So what are we really seeing here other than both sides getting a ton of money and getting a ton of publicity and the the American public and the worldwide public getting duped into watching something now? If McGregor somehow beats him – That's what people may be buying to see on the off chance that he ends up winning the fight. I mean, for for people out there, <laughs> the key of this is the
1: undercard because this fight's not going to go that long. Maybe they'll stretch it to three or four rounds. Uh, the undercard may be, may be what saves it. Otherwise, forget it.
0: Yeah, I don't even know who's on the undercard. I mean, honestly, I, know under, I, I I've I've watched a few mma fights on tv i i'm more of a boxing fan but i'm not a big boxing fan i'm more excited about the the triple g canelo alvarez fight that's happening i think in september and i don't really know a lot about those guys but i've seen them talked up on you know like jim lampley's show on hbo and know that they're good fighters and know that it will be an entertaining fight as opposed to this clown clown car that you know, if and the, the, my only hope, and I will not pay for it, but I'll wait for the following week when it's on an HBO for free. My only hope is that Conor McGregor butts Mayweather in the jaw and breaks it because he's not going to break his jaw with a with a punch. And then maybe that'll shut up Mayweather for a little while because that's all he does is talk. He he well, is. he will like,
1: retire after this. It won't matter. Well, yeah,
0: but it's this isn't this, you know this Until is. he just, runs
1: out of money, then he'll come back out of retirement.
0: Yeah, and, you know, it's like how many times can he do that? But, you know, as many
2: many times as people are willing to pay the money to see him.
0: Anytime somebody runs up a $23 million bill with the IRS,
2: yeah. Listen, Joe Lewis was like the original
1: guy that ran into tax trouble, and he he boxed and then eventually wrestled, too.
0: Yeah, so, okay, let's get the show started. We'll talk about hockey here for the next half hour. That would be nice. Yeah, it wouldn't wouldn't be, though. Hello, Hockey World. Today is Friday, July 14th, 2017. I'm Jan Levine. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Michael Ajello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Uh, after two weeks of free agency, we've started to settle in. You know, there are still... A number of UFAs out there but I guess like we said on previous shows we've reached that second level now you know arbitration situations are happening you know teams are trying to fit players in under the cap um, teams some teams like Toronto have uh, have uh, are reached a level in terms of number of contracts where I think they're gonna have to make moves so we've reached that sort of chess part of the summer and we'll be continuing that probably for the next six to seven weeks until the opening of training camp in early September. But wanna you know, this week was a development camp week for many NHL teams. Russ, you were you were at the at the camp for the Flyers, and didn't you go one day for the Devils as well?
1: I did not go to the Devils, although there will be a report on Sportsology from somebody else. I didn't get there, but for the Flyers, um, you know, it's kind of interesting. Like everybody focuses on, on on the top picks, right, and. Again, you're, you're going through a camp. You're going through three-on-three. So I just look for attributes. I'm almost not even looking and counting goals and goaltenders stopping goals against. I, I'm just looking for other attributes in their game and, and, and the way they look at the beginning of the camp and the way they look at, end, at the end. So, like, Nolan Patrick didn't get on the ice, and he's not going to get on the ice for a while. That's fine. I don't think it matters for him. Uh, I also don't think he's a lock to make the team like I've heard in some areas. I think it's 50-50. We'll see. Uh, Morgan Frost looked really good. Actually, he was a guy that even in this half-ice three-on-three showed his great playmaking ability. That was the big thing he showed. Look, he still got to work on his shot and, and be- try and become a little bit more of a scorer, but he really he showed his speed. Like Guys could not really contain him. And and so that was something that was nice to see. Radcliffe really looked good. He He's a much better skater than I think people realized. I think when Ron Hextall told people he was a raw talent, they thought that meant skating, and it didn't mean skating. It just means overall what you see now isn't going to be what you see three, four years down the line because he's going to be just more polished, bigger, stronger, faster. But he really was good. Radcliffe um, really did a good job.
0: Uh, What What about Matthew Strom?
1: Strom was fine. He does need to work on his skating. What someone said... You know, how bad is the skating? I'm like, well, it's relevant. Like, we're at the level he's at, it's okay because he still can score 30 goals at the level he's at. If you're talking about NHL level, then he's got a way to go. And, and But everything else is good. The hands are good. Defense is good. He's willing. He's very coachable. So I, I liked what I saw. I, I thought one of the, the big surprises was Noah Cates, a the kid they drafted in the fifth round. I just wrote about him on Sportsology. He uh, came out of Stillwater High School in Minnesota, Played like 11 games for the Lancers last year in the USHL. Going to play 11 more. 11 more. He's going to play another season this year. Uh, he was a kid, you know. He he was five foot eight uh, when he, as a sophomore, and now he's six foot one. And so that's an interesting thing to me when you get a guy who has that kind of growth spurt. You know, right now he's 165, 70 pounds. He's going to get stronger. But he's one of these guys that just knows how to get to the net. Has the right moves. Has the right will. You know, that's something like innate. You know, Mike, we don't, some guys will never go to the net and some guys just always end up there. And so he's one of those guys. And so I think there's something to see there. It's going to take a while, right? He's going to be in the USHL and then he's going to Minnesota Duluth. And so, you know, you're talking four years, five years down the line. But that's, you know, but that's what you want to spend the fifth round pick on. So, you know, he was somebody that I said, hey, you know what? I didn't have any
0: expectations for him and and he showed me something. Hmm. Um, Jan, did you uh, track what was going on at Rangers camp because I was really focused on what was going on with the Leafs uh, for most of the week. They had a six day camp in uh, suburban Toronto, but I, I you know I was curious about the about the, what was going on with the Rangers camp. Did you I track, track
2: bits and pieces of it obviously because a couple of the kids they drafted this year. So, you know, Leas Anderson, who signed his ELC yesterday, was was fairly good in camp. I mean, got some decent reviews. The guy, in my opinion, who got probably the bigger reviews was Philippe Scheitel, who was their second first-round pick mm-hmm. and, and really kind of, surprisingly enough, I would say kind of dominated in camp, which to me, when I wrote up a lot of my draft reviews, he and the kids S-J-A-L-I-N was the guy who really, in my opinion, kind of dominate was the guy I was really interested, based upon their youth. I mean, Scheitel just barely made the draft hey, cut off this disguise, year. Yeah. About 10, 12 days. So really, you're getting a very underage guy Mm-hmm. which is nice to follow for a guy for the future because there was some rumors that he might move up to the upper part of the first round next year if he had stayed out another year. So that was the guy who I really kind of tracked a lot. And then Anderson, you know, based upon his play there, based upon a lot of the comments that have been made after he got drafted, both by uh, Gord Clark, who handles a lot of the drafting, by Jeff, by GM Jeff Gordon, and then also listening to Anderson, who clearly wants to be the team out of camp and wants to be great. That wasn't a big surprise that he had a pretty good camp. So those were kind of the two big names, in my opinion, that kind of had really strong camps and names that clearly one of them is going to be on the radar screen now. Um, Granted, a lot could change the next two months before camps open, and we see kind of who ends up showing up to camp and maybe has a chance to uh, open the season with the team. But those two guys, in terms of Anderson and Scheitel are kind of the two guys, in my opinion, who got a lot of play in camp and really came through in terms of uh, maybe even exceeding expectations going into it. So let's
1: pause it there for one sec. So with Leah Anderson, I had mentioned at the draft that I, I think I had him like 20th. And right. I felt like the Rangers took him where they took him because they saw they had a shortage at center and could possibly get him to the NHL sooner. Now, by sooner, I was not thinking it was really going to be this year, but I knew there was a chance. I still am not in favor of a guy making it out of camp, especially when you could start the year in the AHL. I know there's some people that say, well, give him like 20 games, and if he doesn't work out, Send him down, and it's like you know that is the opposite of really what you want to do with a player. And and look, you can go back and and someone showed me some stats, and it was actually Jean Rattel, and that's exactly what they did with him. leah Anderson is not Jean Rattel. Trust me, I, I watched him in international play. I was right there. I watched multiple games in a row. He is really good. He's not Jean Rattel, right? So forget and forget how things were done back in the '60s and '70s. Like that's just it's, it's irrelevant. But my worry is, you know, Manny Malholtra. I remember I was very vocal about Michael Delzato when I kept hearing the rhetoric out of like people who were covering the Rangers and also on, on television when they were saying you know he he reminds them of Brian Leach. I kept saying, listen, don't go there. This is way too soon for this kid. And And it definitely stunted his offensive growth in the league, and it took him probably two or three more years to figure out what kind of defenseman he actually is now. And so I don't want to see that happen to Anderson.
0: Well, and and I think teams have finally learned, you know, uh, from the Edmonton situation. I don't know about that. Well, well, I I I think that I think people I think teams are more careful now, Russ, than they were in the past. You don't immediately shove an 18-year-old, even if he has a great camp, into the NHL. If you're Austin Matthews and you're 19 and you're, you know, you've played internationally, you've played in World Juniors and you're big and you're, you know, okay, fine. And, you know, if you're Connor McDavid and you're uh, a generational player, fine. Um, But I I think teams, you know, you've seen – the 40 games with Leon Dreysidal, then he gets sent to the AHL. The, you know, 30 some odd games that Pouliarve played with Edmonton, and then they sent him back. Now, luckily for Edmonton, it didn't harm uh Dreisaitl too much for him to play 40 games and then go down to the AHL. When he came back, he wasn't overwhelmed and he had a great year last year. You don't know what the hell what is gonna do. I think, you know, back in the day, the Leafs brought up Luke Shen as an 18 year old, and it ruined him. He yep. had a good rookie year. He was overwhelmed after that. He couldn't handle it. The, he, the speed of the game changed, and now he's basically a bottom pairing defenseman. If you look at what they did the last three years, they kept Neilander in the American Hockey League and played half a year in Sweden. They kept Marner and Junior, Junior another year, and only Matthews, who everybody thought was going to make the NHL, made it right out of right out of uh, right out of the draft. So okay. I think Tanner's exactly. are a little more careful. And there
1: okay. is 200 pounds and he played against men, but
2: that still doesn't mean he's ready. Right. I mean, I, as, as Russ said, I also compared it to Malhotra and I remember very well in terms of rushing it. But I think back then the Rangers were kind of looking for a young guy to stick in the lineup because it was a bit of an older team right. as opposed to now. I mean, that's why for me, one, I written a couple times at first. I really thought they needed to add some more depth and a couple more guys in terms of the cheap signing. It's one of the reasons why I really wanted him to add Yussi Jokinen as a cheap guy to kind of add to kind of lengthen the lineup giving right. him another option at center because I'm not really very much in favor of moving JT Miller from wing to center, even though we broke in that way. I think he's much better suited to playing the wing. And the Descharnais signing is fine as long as you're counting on him as your fourth, not your third liner. And the loss of Marek Rivik and Nicholas Jensen, while not big, I thought both of those guys would have actually had decent opportunities to be bottom six guys, especially fourth-line guys, to provide energy for that team. And they lost both guys, one, because he decided to play at the Joker overseas. And the other one because they didn't uh, give a qualifying offer to Rivick, which I thought was a mistake. I like Anderson. I didn't love the pick. I was very you know vocal in terms of there's other players there that I liked a bit better. Mm-hmm. But from reading a lot about it, I know L.A. was kind of interested in him at 11. There's a lot of rumors that Carolina was interested in him at 12. He was viewed as a guy with a very low floor um, but you know and not a tremendously high ceiling, maybe a second or a third line player, likely a second liner. And given some of the comparables and comparisons, that's fine. My viewpoint is is I'd rather have him either go back there for London for another year or play in the AHL for at least part of the year, get used to the North American game, get acclimated to being in North America rather than rushing and putting him in a lineup and then taking him out and worrying that you're now going to stunt his growth by letting him play 10 games or so and then sending him back down.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think – oh, we're getting it out here. I don't know who's echoing. Um, okay, seems to have gone away. Um well, let me just touch to briefly on the on the Leafs camp here. We we talked okay. about it a couple for a couple days, but just just as an overview, a um, couple players that I was hoping to get a longer look at because Jeremy Brocco, who last year won a World Junior, won a Memorial Cup with Windsor, you know, he's more than likely going to start with the Marlies, um, and. The the reason for that is because the leaves are stacked on the right side with with Kapanen, Marner, Nylander, and Connor Brown. Um, he contracted mono in a, midway through camp, so he missed most of the, the scrimmages and uh, you know only did some of the drills. So that's going to probably be a little bit of a setback for him for for the summer. But um, there's a lot of expectation, Russ, regarding Bracco. I mean, he's an offensive talent. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you interviewed one of his junior teammates and Connor Bunneman at, yep. at Flyers camp, and he had nothing but glowing things to say about Bracco. Yeah, he
1: basically said he made him better. Like he said that he would be in weird places on the ice and all of a sudden get the puck in a scoring position that he wasn't even thinking about and would help get him a goal. I think he had 37 goals last year. And so I, again, I saw him do that with, with Austin Matthews of the world juniors. And so I know he could do that with Austin Matthews at the NHL level. And that's the thing you can't, it, it, it's a funny thing about Brocco. You can't look at him simply for his size and strength and say, yeah, I don't know because It's really the way he skates, and that's what Bunnerman was talking about, how he goes with the edges and the tens and twos, how he stops and turns and guy he loses guys and then has the puck and knows what to do with it immediately without hesitation. And so those kinds of things make a great combination. And to be honest, the Leafs haven't found that combination yet for Matthews, and maybe they'll have something better this year, but – that will, I think this would be the ultimate combination down
0: the road. But we're still talking a few years. Yeah, I, I think Nealander did pretty well with him last year. Sure. But I, yeah. th- I think I think the goal I think the goal for Nealander eventually is to move him up the middle.
2: Yeah, and for me, I'm actually I'm just tracking Brocco because honestly, he's from right near my hometown, mm-hmm. where I live out in Merrick. So he's relatively close, and I have friends of mine whose kids played with him in the PAL leagues growing up. And knew him so it's kinda of fun to see a local kid. I mean, we had a little bit of that with a couple of guys the Rangers had that never panned out. But as a kind of guy the Ranger I wanted the Rangers uh, two years, a couple of years ago to draft Brocco in the second round when he was available and
0: thought Toronto got a nice steal given where they took him. And b- and believe me, Jan, the the people who want Brocco to make the team the most is the Toronto media because he's a great interview. He's yeah. he's loose, he's funny, he's, he doesn't give you the, the the pat answer. He it would be it will be great. If and when he makes the NHL, no, you
1: can, you can go and eat at his uh,
2: parents' place. It's in uh, long, or not long. It's in Freeport, so you know they do right, a restaurant right next to me. It's the next town yeah. over. So I had friends of mine who played in the same police athletic league that he did and uh, know him. Well, try
1: the restaurant out and come back with a review. Let's
2: go. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> I don't think I can eat there. It's fish? You can't eat fish? Nope. Okay that no, no, no. Has to be in a kosher restaurant, also, but it's fine. Hey, I'll a fish for you. Yeah. Uh, no, that I'll pass on, but thank you. But what I have. You, have pass on? you don't like a filter fish? I do, but doesn't necessarily want to go out in a restaurant. Need it?
0: Can you give back to hockey, please? Okay. <laughs> the
2: man who started the conversation on Mayweather and McGregor is telling us to get back to hockey. Well, we're in the hockey section of the show. Oh, right I'm sorry, here. my bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, the the other the other player that I, I, I wanted to get a longer look at was Joseph Wall, the, the the goaltender, who I believe will be the starter for team USA at the World Junior this year in Buffalo. Yeah, you know, he was he split time with Tyler Parsons last year to probably be him and Jake Ottinger, the uh the first round pick from this year as the goalies for team USA. And, you know, Ross, he looked good in drills, but he he sort of tweaked a groin before the scrimmages and didn't get a chance to play. But a lot of people think that, you know, I mean, he's a third-round pick. A lot of things can happen between now and becoming a pro or when he turns pro. But a lot of people think that he's the guy – he's he's the goalie of the future with that team.
1: I mean, he's good. I, I remember seeing him in the All-American Prospects game, and I liked him, and I've seen him since. And and he is good. Uh, Ottinger had a really good camp too, so I can't handle all the job yet, even no. though he's older, uh, because Ottinger could still possibly steal it from him. And last year he didn't play Ottinger, so – it's gonna be a, it'll be a good battle, but that's a good battle to have.
0: Now, the, the, you know, we talked about Anderson and you know what the what the track in terms of him making the NHL uh, might be. You know, I, I I I would think that the Rangers are gonna take their time with him at least for this year, and then maybe see where he is as a 19 year old. But you know, you never know. We'll see. Uh, right now, it's like I, I mean, based on and okay, Lou Lamorello was very careful in his words as he always is regarding Timothy Lilligren. He had a great camp. They were very impressed. He was impressed the fact that he wasn't trying to show off his offensive ability. He sort of played it within himself. He played conservative. He didn't make any mistakes. You know, he was, they, He focused on that. And you could tell they were testing him because they were playing him with, with multiple uh, defense partners, different guys playing. I think he played the left side a couple times, but mostly the right side because he's a right-hand shot. Yeah. Russ, I look at the fact, and I and it's nothing against these guys because I like I liked all of them. I liked Calfoot, um, Branstrom of what I knew about. I, I liked, it, but the the size was a question mark. And Valamaki I was a guy that I I was tar- targeting for the Leafs because I thought the Leafs had no chance at getting Millygren at seventeen. But I can't believe watching this guy that he got to number seventeen in this draft.
1: I told you it was a lot of pre-draft rhetoric
0: about you know
1: between the mono and playing all the different teams and then saying, well, you know, the hockey IQ, it, it was all a bunch of baloney. And the the, the realistic thing is, look, I, I like some of those other defensemen that you named too. Branstrom included, none of them are as good a skater as Lil' is. And the stick and puck ability, moving it up the ice, he's better than all those guys too. Branstrom's really good at it, don't get me wrong. But I still think Lil' over him. That's why I ranked him, you know, my – best defenseman in the draft and I hold to that. I still think the Leafs got a tremendous value here and they're not going to rush him, but I also think the Leafs are the right team to have him because they will work with him on his risk reward part of his game and that's good.
0: Yeah, and the and the thing the thing that I took from what Lamorello said, I mean, he came out completely he came out at the end of training at the end of the, of camp and said He's either going back to Sweden or he's playing for the Marlies. it's one right. or the other. He's not going to the OHL. I, I, I don't think I don't think he he said there's no chance of him making the leaps, but he would have to really blow it out of the water to meet to, right. to the NHL as an 18 year old. But I think the concern and I, I asked Mark Hunter at the draft about this, Lilia Grin played for four teams last year at various levels of the Swedish League. you know he had mono. He, you know, it, it was not a good developmental year for him in his draft year. And I think now that he's leased property, now that they have him signed to a contract, they're going to say, okay, unless we have some guarantees that he's going to get a lot of ice time in the Swedish league, play, you know, play significant minutes in, you know, he, he's going to play for the Marlies because they can control what he does there. Yeah. the Marlies makes sense. It's perfect. It really is. Yeah. All right. Um, Now, and I want to get your your thoughts on this signing because both of you weren't on the show. I think it was Wednesday when the Hurricanes uh, extended uh, Jacob Slavin for I think it was seven years at five point three million per. Now he's got another year left in his contract, and um, before his entry level deal, before that deal kicks in, Russ, I I think Slavin's a very good defenseman. I think you know, but I'm surprised on this deal. That he gets extended for that long and for as for more than what Justin Falk is making right now. What, what did you think of the contract? No, I think the contract's okay. I think I think there's
1: a there's, there's an issue here with with Falk because Slavin's a better defender, right? And so, yeah, Justin Falk is Justin Falk, and he signed that deal probably three years ago too, right? So it's just the the price of doing business now the way it went up. But Slavin also, you know, he's at a good age right now. He's 23. That's good. So giving him the money, they didn't do it too early. He's got good size. You know, he actually had 34 points, which is a heck of a year. I mean, it's really – I think this is also uh, – they're, they're basically gambling against Hannafin because if Hannafin really isn't going to re-sign there like we think, then they had to get Slavin locked up. And so I think they did by doing that. They did a good job here.
0: Well, okay. I mean, I mean, first of all, I mean, we know you, you and I both know that Hanifin can't go anywhere unless you know, he, he can try to sign an offer sheet, but he, he's well, locked it doesn't up. Doesn't matter if he. At In some point, time. they may just trade him if he's unhappy. Right. Well, okay, Jan. First, first, what do you think of the of the Slavin deal? But second, you look at the situation right now, and before this, they had four young defensemen under the age of 25 all going into the final year of their entry-level deal, you know, dial back. okay, that doesn't really matter, but Trevor Van Riemsdyk, Pesci, Hannafin are still RFA after this year. You know, this team can't sign all of them to the money that they deserve. So like Russ said, you know, somebody, maybe Falk, maybe Hannafin is going to be moved out. What did you think of the, of the deal and what do you think of their situation right now?
2: So in terms of Slavin, I mean, he's become an analytics darling in the last year or so. I mean, everybody loves him from that perspective, right? You look at the metrics and you look at all of the numbers and he's become a guy that's really gotten, finally started to get a lot more play. Um, as you mentioned, they, they wanted to lock up a young defenseman. They don't know where the direction they're going to go in. But with those young defensemen, there's a couple of things. A, one of the things that I've written a lot and A Firm Believer in is defenseman growth is not linear. Just because you've had a good year doesn't mean you're following it up with another one. Uh, take take Tyler Myers for an example, Russ, as you mm-hmm. will. and. Mike, you all know. I mean, the, the, a lot of ebbs and flows and a roller coaster type when you're looking at him. So I, I like Slavin a lot. I don't have an issue with the signing. I found it interesting the terms and the length, both in terms of dollars and the number of years. They do still have the ability, based upon these guys, to sign some of them to bridge deals because they're only coming off their ELC. Sure, so you're not right. going to have to earn an inordinate amount of dollars. But had, Hannafin had been rumored to be going in the offseason for a forward if they were looking to upgrade their offense. Now with the addition of Am Riemsdyk, if he plays well there and they can put him on an ELC, you also have Brett Pesci that's going to have to be signed. You have Jake Bean in your system. If Hayden Fleury ever figures it out also, you have him in their system. So defensively, they're in the position that that's a strength for them, where if they do start to take the step forward and start their offensive guys develop, be signed beyond what you've seen out of Jeff Skinner, if, yeah. if Ajo takes another step this year, if Saurla, who came over from the Rangers, does it. If Tuval it starts to figure it out. If you mm-hmm. can augment that by turning one of those defensemen, either a Falk or a Pesci or probably even a Hannafin, into a forward, and you still have the ability to extend these guys with not long-term deals but bridge deals to save cap room, you've now signed the guy long-term that you think is the cornerstone of your blue line. And by signing Slavin, you've kind of indicated that that is the case, that he's the guy you're going to build around. Maybe not necessarily the other guys that we've talked about. So one of the things that I was kind of talking about with with uh, with um, Dom Lusizan, who does a lot of the analytics, is you, he projected, and the stuff that the um, the GAR charts that have come out, that the Slavon deal is viewed relatively okay. Where would, for example, for the Rangers, if Brady Shea was going to sign a longer-term deal, what kind of numbers would you be looking at for Shea? And he, he ironically mirrors a Jason Demers. Oh, yeah. He's making $4.5 a, a year right now, right? But if, yeah. if Shea has another big year like he did last year, and takes that next step forward, then looking at a deal like Slavin got for seven years, $5.3 million, that might be what you're looking at to sign him longer term.
1: Well, that's Yeah, that's I, think, the- I think it is. And you know what I was going to say, Mike? Uh, I think you'll see Falk get dangled when Jake Bean is ready. Because when Jake Bean's ready, he'll be their number one guy, and you won't need Justin Falk at that point, and he'll be a little right. older. And I think that's when they'll do
0: that. Well, one of the motivations supposedly for for acquiring Trevor Van Riemsdyk from uh, through Vegas from Chicago was now you know Pesci is I believe twenty one or twenty two years old. Yeah, twenty two is about right. Yeah, and he, he was his he was the defense partner of Trevor Van Riemsdyk at New Hampshire so they yeah. like they like the pairing and probably they think they can get both of them signed for probably undervalue, so they can play together and get all, all plenty of ice time in Carolina Pesci only had 20 points last year He's coming up. If they try to sign him, they're not going to be paying 5.3 million dollars on a long-term deal. It's probably going to be either a bridge deal, like you were saying, Jan, or if they give him a longer term, it's going to be probably in the three to four range. So they could they could save money in terms of long term on by offering them a a long-term deal, uh, and and probably you know you had the bridge deal, but if the guy all of a sudden explodes offensively, um, yeah. Um, So I mean it. It's going to be very interesting how Ron Francis plays this uh, situation. I I think, I think, and we should
1: mention that they may have the team sold by then, too. You know, Carmanos has an
0: offer, and so we'll see how that works out, too. Now, Dan, you have to leave, but, uh, you know, and we'll, I'll, I'll make sure I contact you for next week. But I just, uh, you mentioned Shane. I'll give you, because we're going to do this, uh, this uh, RFA over under. That I had this little game that I I came up with, um, Shea I had as a guy who the over under would be five million. Now that's assuming he has a year like he had this year, next year. Would do you think the new deal for Brady Shea would be over or under five million per? I think if he has a year like he did last year, especially paired with a guy like Brendan Smith, which is
2: not the same as the guys he got paired with last year, which was Mark Stahl and other guys. If he's paired with Smith and Smith played like he did after he came over to the Rangers, then I think you're kind of looking at a Slavin type of deal, especially with McDonough's contract up in another year afterwards. They do have a lot of depth, but in my opinion, offensively besides Shattenkirk, Shea is right up there in terms of talent, in terms of from the blue line, the ability to rush the puck and also hasn't been given enough shot on the power play. You will start to see him get first or second line power play time this year or more than he did last year, where I do think he takes that next step forward. And can get himself into the Slavin type of range, given depending on where the salary cap is next year.
0: So you think it'll be over five? I
2: think it's gonna be a little over than the five million range.
0: Okay, thanks, Jan.
2: Right. Uh,
1: Russ, what do you what do you think? Um, I think it's over as well. I think um, it, it's a lot to hope with Brendan Smith too, as the guy pairing and that he's gonna play exactly like last year. Like that's that to me remains to be seen. But I'm not worried about Shea, whoever he's paired with. And if he's paired with Stall, he'll be fine. I'm not even. It's not has nothing to do with Stall. It's just I've seen this
0: kid play, and so yeah, I think it's going to be just over five. Now, okay, I came up with a list of one of them was Shea, but now I came. I have a list of six players. Some of them are RFA's now. Some of them are RFA's next summer, but are eligible to sign an extension now. We don't know what these teams are doing individually. For example, one player on this list who I'll bring up first uh Jack Eichel with the Sabres. Uh he's an RFA next su- next summer, but uh they are talking extension with him right this right this second. Right. So Jack Eichel entering his third year has scored 24 goals two years in a row last year in 61 games because he missed the first month or so with it with the uh I think it was a um ankle injury high ankle sprain. Um uh, I have the over-under at $9 million per. I'm assuming that they're going to try to sign him to the eight-year max. Yeah. Um, what do you think of that number, Russ, over or under $9 million? Under. I think he'll come under that. Okay. I See, I, if it's a five-year deal and he goes to 25 you know, and go, goes mm-hmm. the Taves, Kane, Tavares, Stamkos route, I think it'll be under. If they're buying unrestricted years, which would be three or you know, two or three, I think it's over. I think it's gonna be nine point five to ten because you know you're buying as you're buying his prime years, and I think that's
1: yeah, no, to- no offense to Jack. I I'm going with the five because I want to see where he is after the five. And and again, it's it's similar to dry It's I know the kind of game he plays and he plays all out. And in five years, I want to sort of see where he's at, how dinged up he gets and and where he's going to be. If I'm giving him that bigger deal now, you know, Jack Eichel is a guy that could get hurt down the road. Like he's already gotten hurt once. And that was a more of a freaky kind of injury. But he, he's not afraid of contact. Right. And he is going to be a bit of a target on Buffalo. And for the next couple of years, he's going to be targeted pretty good. I want to see how he holds up to that. He's, he's in great physical shape, but it doesn't mean he can't get hurt.
0: Yeah, true. Um, the the second guy on my list is an RFA. This summer, after two good years, he made the NHL as an 18-year-old. After two decent years as a young winger, he busted out with 34 goals. I'm talking about David Pasternak. Um, I have the number on a long-term deal at $7.5 million. Do you think it's above or, or over or under seven point five?
1: I think it'll be just under. I do. I think, you know, again – That was above what most people probably had ever projected for David Pasternak. So we'll see if he can do that again. And I think that's going to be a big key to what he gets. I really do.
0: Yeah, I I think it's gonna if, if it's if it's the eight year deal, I think it's gonna be over that. I think it'll be. I actually think he'll get the Phil Kessel contract. I don't it, think he'll
1: get the eight year deal simply because all you have to do is look at David Krejci and say, should we really give him this eight year deal? And and that'll probably stop them from doing it.
0: So you think they're gonna go with the five? Yeah. Okay. Well, if they go five, it'll be under. But if it's if yep. it's the if it's the eight year deal, I think it's gonna be over seven point five. I think he's I think he's gonna get the Phil Kessel deal, eight years, eight million per. Um, because they see him as their, you know, they the, he's their top scorer. I mean, I mean, Marshan had a great year. They have him locked up. They have Bergeron locked you up. Expect I, him to be the top scorer every year is a bit much, I think. Maybe, but I think that I mean, after busting out with 34 goals, I think they 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 have you know illusions that uh, that that will be the case. Now we mentioned this. We mentioned his name in connection to Slavin, and that was Noah Hannafin. Uh He's entering his third year had 29 points last year in his second season, RFA next summer. Uh, We'll go the over-under of 5.3 million. Uh, What do you think?
1: I think it'll be under because I think he's going to get that shorter end deal because I think if reports are right, and I have no reason to think that they're not, I think he's going to go the Trouba route.
0: So I mean, you're saying what you're what you may be saying, and what I may be saying is that he might get that 5.3 million somewhere else.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I d- the don't thing, take a the the short-term thing. deal until the you know everything gets worked out. We'll see. I mean, we don't hear boo out of him. So yeah. to his credit, he just plays and he plays great. But again, we keep hearing these things, and so like it's hard to believe that they're going to give him that kind of money if. Uh, unless this is
0: totally unfounded. So we'll we'll see. We'll have a better idea this year. I almost think that Ron Francis is waiting for him to have the breakout year so he can really get asked for a ton uh in a trade. Whereas right now and he's not been he's not been disappointing. I mean I don't think he's a bust or anything like that. I think he's a pretty good defenseman, but I think people had illusions that he was going to be a lot better than he has been so far. Yeah, I think for some reason Maybe some
1: people thought he would score like Wierenski scores, and he's, he's not that guy. But he is a really gifted defenseman, and he's a really good skater, and he played well last year. And so what he have, like 20 points?
0: Uh, like? 29. 29.
1: So that's a good year. Yeah. I don't know if he's ever getting to 50. I
0: don't yeah. know. Um, Leon Dreisado, who you mentioned, um, it's he's an RFA. There's no arbitration, so it's purely right now how long you want to sign them, and how much you want to pay them. And this is
1: that code orange now in Mike's mind because you're like, well, they have to do this. Like this is a – it yeah. has to happen. It's a it must. Has, well, it it has
0: to happen. And if it doesn't – It hasn't happened, Mike. Well, it hasn't happened yet, but I think it's going to. But, okay, okay here the over-under for, for Dreisaitl is $9 million. Under – Um, if it's a five-year deal, yeah. If it's an eight-year deal. Even if it's not. under Well, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, we've seen the M.O. for Edmonton. They sign these guys to, I mean. Yeah, but he's going to have to take a cue from Connor
1: McDavid and leave a little at the gate there. If he really wants to win.
0: Yeah. This is Kucherov. See, this is the thing, Russ. This is Kucherov all over again. This is like you you have to get this guy signed long-term, and if you sign him for less than eight years, you are reaping disaster because I'm telling you right now, Kucherov in two years is gone in Tampa. He's not yeah, going to do that. But here's the thing, Mike. So this is where you're at
1: when you're in a cap world, and if it was up to Donald fear, there wouldn't be a cap. But the rest of the hockey world wants the cap, so I think Donald's going to lose that fight, even though he's been talking about it a lot. Um here's the thing. At the end of the day, Tampa said, who was our franchise player? It's Steven Stamkos. They got him locked up. He didn't go anywhere. A lot of people thought he might. He stayed. So that made Kucherov a secondary player, no matter what, was never going to be their franchise player. Leon Dreisato will never be the Edmonton Oilers franchise player. And as a result, is going to have to take some concessions the same way Evgeny Malkin has or he's going to end up getting that big money elsewhere, down the road. It's
0: the way it is. Well, okay. Well, and we'll see. I mean, I think we will well, obviously. I mean, what is Malkin making? Malkin's making more than Crosby, but that's because Crosby took. Right. Yeah, Crosby, Crosby had his contract come up before his. So that's right,
1: right. But, but, but as an example,
0: like what what is Malkin's number? Uh, I think it's nine one something like that.
1: Right. So. Even on his best day, Leon Dreisaitl is not Evgeny Malkin.
0: Yeah, but that 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 doesn't matter. I mean, you know. Relevance is relevance. Nine million, 9.1 is still Crosby, 9.1, Mike. Crosby is making 8.7. Forget
1: about Crosby. King. Malkin is the comparable in the sense that he's the secondary player on that team. Dreisaitl is the secondary player on this team. 9.1. Nine, four, it's actually 9.5. Okay. Who would you take for 9.5, Dreisaitl or Malkin today and even for the next five years? I'd probably take, take Dreisaitl.
0: No, you're crazy. He's 20, he's 20 years old. It doesn't matter. You are oh absolutely crazy. No, I mean, if you're talking about going forward, you know, Evgeny Malkin is probably uh, beginning the downslope. He's the a great player. Like the downslide of downslide Evgeny Malkin, really? Yeah, I mean, he's 29 years old. Come I on, man. He's one
1: of the five best players in the game.
0: Come on, I'm not, I'm not arguing that point. I agree that he's one of the top five best players, but how long is he going to be one of the five best players? For at least five more years, and, uh, and we don't know that. We don't know that. Okay, go look up
1: here because <laughs> this, this this is where I think you're you're going off the rails a little bit. Um, Shocking, and, and I am a no. It's Shocking. not you know. It's not like that. It's just I'm a big supporter of Leon Dreisaitl but I cannot put him in the same category as Evgeny Malkin dollar-wise or talent-wise. And at the end of the day, Evgeny Malkin, here's the funny thing, okay? Even in his first year, like we're not going to count Dreisaitl's first year, but Dreisaitl's great year this year was what, 77 points?
0: Uh, Yeah, something like that. What was Malkin's? Malkin this year had 72. No,
1: no, not this year, his first year.
0: Oh, his first year had eighty-five points in uh, two thousand six. Yeah. Okay, that he was
1: a better player. Now this year he had seventy-two points, and so Dreisaitl had five more points than him. I'll take Malkin every day because next year he might have eighty-five points again. We don't know. It depends. You know, Malkin yeah. has to play a role now. He we're also
0: we're also talking about we're also talking about two completely different leagues in the sense that two thousand six was like the wild west. Um okay. Coming out of the coming out of the lockout, and Malkin in his second year had 106 points, which would have won the scoring title this year because McDavid was the only one over 100 points. I'm just saying the leagues are different right now, but I'm saying you know Leon Dreisaitl, at 21 years old, or Evgeny Malkin, who turned. Uh, let's see. And Malkin's a center, and Dreisaitl
1: is a center. I'm just saying it's it's very comparable.
0: Malkin t- Malkin turns 31 in two weeks. It's
1: fine. I don't care.
0: So, okay. Two, two other names on the list here—he gets uh, winning
1: championships too.
0: Yes, yeah, true. Two two other names on the list here. Uh, current RFA Ryan Johansson. The rumors out there is that he is asking for over eight million. So let's use the eight million as the over under. Over. Is that because he's the number one center that they gave up Seth Jones to get? The number one him? center. I I I know the agent. I thought Johansson
1: was tremendous last year, and I think there's still more to get out of him, like ceiling-wise.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's going to be over too. I think it's. I think he's going to end up with like an eight-year max deal at nine million bucks. He'll he'll be making. Yeah. Something, be,
1: short, something short of nine. It'll be, you know, David Poyle won't give him nine, but it'll give him like eight point seven or something.
0: Yeah, eight point eight. Yeah, right. something like that. Yeah. Um, and the final one, and this is one that uh, you know, I think we've debated a little bit, but I think um, it should be interesting when this player gets signed, whether it's this summer or next. William Nealander of the Maple Leafs, one year at over sixty points. He's an RFA after next next season um the over under I came up with was seven million now i' I'll, I'll go first on this one i think it's gonna be under because I don't think Lou is gonna sign him for for eight years i think it's gonna be five
1: yeah it's gonna be five it's gonna be under
0: yeah okay that
1: was too, um,
0: easy. That was too easy well no we, but we had but we we you know we had to we had to mention it because i mean I he have, was one of the guys that because uh, he's not because he's a leaf i get it We have a Leaf quota. Now, uh, in blog today, um, he brings up uh, the name of Artem Anisimov, who we've talked about a couple times since the end of the season. Um, The pondering out there is if if Anisimov is another piece of the Blackhawks that's going to be moved out. According to Act, the word is out there that the Hawks are entertaining offers. For Anisimov, he includes the Rangers and the Canadians uh, as having interest. Uh, Both teams have big weaknesses that could be filled by him. Um, I agree that that both of those teams in, are in need of a center. I just don't know with Anisimov making the money that he's making, which is I believe close to five million. I'm just double checking. Yeah, it's four point five five for but another
1: forty-five p- points a year and twenty-something goals a year. That's what he gets.
0: Yeah, I but and he said but he's had injury problems in the past. he's has a big
1: center, center and he's a big center, so there's room on the ice that he takes up too. I mean. I don't see the problem here. I, If I'm the Rangers, I would do it. They have the cap space. They do need a bigger center, another one. That would help their situation a lot. Then Anderson wouldn't have to be looked at coming out of camp either. It, it would solve a lot of things. The Rangers probably are not going to do it, though.
0: Uh, but I could see Montreal doing it. Well, I mean, we know that the Rangers and their center situation are – In the rumor mill right now because, like, uh, Larry Brooks mentioned last last weekend regarding interest in Tyler Bozak, which I found found laughable because, yeah,
1: uh,
0: you know, the the, the, Nick Holden, it ain't happening, yeah, yeah, for please, please, Nick, I mean, give me a break. I mean, you know, Nick Holden is, I think, a good bottom pairing guy, maybe, but not in he's not a top four, even though the Rangers overused him and put him in a top four role, yes. But, it, you know, it's not. that's not going to happen. Now, th- there was other speculation about Bozak um, that uh, in, that came up after that one uh, from uh, Kevin McGrath of the Toronto Star. There was a report that there was some interest in Bozak from the Pittsburgh Penguins. And if you think about it, that makes a whole lot of sense in, in the sense that Benino is gone, yeah. Bozak's on a short-term deal, Bozak and Kessel played years together and played very well together in Toronto. They were
1: roommates, weren't
0: they? they yeah, they were, they were. roommates. They were the most
1: but, boring roommates
0: on the road to the Winter Classic. <laughs> yeah, they were playing video games. They were playing video games all day. Yeah, but but, but and pool. But, I think they played pool too. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, um, table tennis, but that table was tennis. that was okay. that was Kessel and FNUF. They played table right. tennis. It was very competitive.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. But uh. But no, I I I think that that would make sense if. Peng, the Penguins have a defenseman that they're willing to give up that the Leafs like, um, and I don't know who that would be. I mean, there's been some rumor about Olimata. I don't know about that, but I, I mean, it would, t- it would take a it would take a lot more than Bobby Bozak to get Olimata out of Pittsburgh. But yes. we'll see. Now, um, the other the other uh, uh, name that Eck brought up was Cody Franzen. and he mentioned him in connection with the Maple Leafs. And right now. The Leafs cannot do it. They're at forty-nine contracts with uh, the signing of Lilje Grin, They're at forty-nine with the signing, the impending signing of Connor Brown. They're at fifty. They they would have to make a trade to clear out contracts. Yeah, the
1: Leafs have had guys work out with the team before and not signed and waiting to to do something like they they did that a couple of years ago with um, a forward. Who was the forward? Um, Oh, was what's his name? Former Ranger. Uh, Well, recently, it was it was Brandon.
0: Oh, 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 Prost, Prost, He was in camp
1: for like two weeks skating, waiting for a contract. They could more like more like two months, and then he. But they could do that with with the same thing. They could do that same deal if he agrees to come in on like an ATO.
0: Yeah, but why would you?
1: Why would you? I mean, unless there are biting, if nobody's biting, he might do it. Well, I, I,
0: honestly, I think if they're going to go for a right-hand defenseman and they're looking to add one more, I think it would be Roman Polak more than Cody Franzen because Roman Polak at least can penalty kill. And he's not an offensive guy, but the Leafs have enough offensive guys on the blue line. This is the thing. It's like they're right now they have too many contracts, so anything regarding Cody Franzen would have to be contingent on them making another deal and, and getting rid of a few contracts. I, you know, will that happen? Maybe. But, I, I you know, I, I think if the Leafs are looking to add a defenseman, it's not going to be a, a plug in uh, to uh, to fill a bottom-pairing spot. It's going to be a top-four guy. Otherwise, you know, I mean, right now they have Ron Hainsey in their top four. Ron All right, Mike.
1: We're, we're getting to this point in the summer where I'm going to break this to you gently. The odds of them getting a top-four guy this late in the game is probably – 15% yeah oh no I, th- I think you're right and you I This just, is like on your Christmas list this is no, like when I, you, I, this is like back in the day when you were wishing for like that I don't, I don't know what, what, what was something that you wanted like a kite or
0: you know <laughs> what was what was the toy
1: if you wanted yeah like I, I was waiting for the like kiss
0: the, the kiss alive double album
1: okay so this is the equivalent of you asking for that in in like August and hoping your parents remembered in December.
0: Yes. And then getting socks for Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 Cody Franzen is socks. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks Russ for and the, not Bab yeah. socks either. Or not that. Bab socks, just regular socks. Hey, free advertising bab socks. Buy them now. <laughs> <laughs> for Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Ajello. Thanks for watching. And remember without the buzz, it's just hockey.